Welcome to Attention to Detail, the classical music listening guide, where we give you the tools to understand, appreciate, and enjoy listening to classical music. Hi everybody, uh, it's Jacob here from Attention to Detail. We are back with another episode. I'm joined as always by Hannah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. Yeah. We're uh, into February now. Yeah, I can't Leap believe month. January was the longest month. Yeah. It would just not end, but then all of a sudden it was February. I don't know. February is going to feel longer than normal because yeah. we have an extra day. Yeah, we do have an extra day. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we've got the Iowa caucuses tonight starting a new, uh, yeah, it's going to be a circus for the next nine months. That'll be fun to watch. Um, and here at Attention to Detail, we have a, a new episode. And today we're going to talk about um, my job. Yeah. And uh, something that I think is a very elusive idea for a lot of people, which is what does the conductor do? Like what, uh, you know, and what do I do all the time? How, what is my, how do you prepare to be a conductor? Or, or we maybe won't talk so much about the educational process mm. or whatever, how you get there, but, but we will talk about what does a conductor actually do? What are they doing when they are waving their arms up there. It's it's such a unique and different role and job than I think anything else that I can really think of. Mm. And so, but I thought we would start by asking, I'm curious what you think, Hannah. I mean, you've worked here for a little while and I often get the question of what does a conductor do? Or I get people commenting on my own conducting. Mm. Um, about certain aspects that they think a conductor might do, and they're not necessarily wrong, but I'm curious, what do you see as the role of the conductor? There's no pressure here because my spoiler alert is even some of the biggest experts in the field of classical music get this question sure. like mostly wrong, mm. so or mostly different from what my experience is, but... What's your experience with what the conductor does? And, and yeah. yeah, so answering that question today as opposed to, say, like when I first started working at the ISO, um, probably was sort of very different. Can you give us both? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think when I first started, I had no idea. Like, I, like knew, I of course, knew what a conductor was. Yeah. Um, and I think at the time, my closest um, sort of parallel comparison, because I came from the theater world, would have been a theater director. Uh-huh. And I still sort of, like, will pull from that today, um, now that I've been with ISO for about three years, in a sense where today I would say more generally the conductor's role is to lead the orchestra yeah. with his or her vision and expertise on um, the pieces that they are conducting and that they're leading the orchestra with. So they are supposed to be an expert about all the parts, all the solos, um, the background of the piece, so that they are um, seeing, out, seeing it out to its fullest potential, basically. Yeah. It's very similar to like what a theater director would do in a sense where they're taking the script, they're looking through it, and then they're casting it, um, and they're seeing out that script to its greatest possibility. Yeah. It's very similar in that sort of basic level. Yeah. Then it gets sort of more narrowed in. Right. And that's sort of where um, people, I think, including myself, sort of 
fall off the rails as to understanding what a conductor does. So visually, I'm still learning how to watch a conductor and to understand what he or she is doing while they're up on the podium with the orchestra. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure how to really follow a conductor on the podium. I can tell basically from the faces in the orchestra what those individuals are feeling yeah. and, and doing. Right. Um, and I'll like try to familiarize myself with the piece, especially if it's a program that I have like had some doing and putting on the stage. So I'll try to familiarize myself with that. And then from there, that knowledge helps me d- determine like, okay, is everyone sort of matching up together? Is everyone working cohesively? Yeah. So long answer to a short question but no but i think it's a yeah. it's a good answer and mm. i think it's a it's as detailed an answer and a, as i usually get and so i hear a lot of people's theories on what the conductor does sure partly through for example people are eager and they want to be nice and they want to compliment you after a performance or mm. something like that and they'll say i really liked the way that you did this, mm. or I really like the way that blah, blah, blah. And so that suggests that they're isolating some element of the conducting phenomenon, yep. and they thought you did that well. Sure. And that's an interesting process because uh, it, you know, it's not that people are wrong and, and compliments are always appreciated and all that kind of yeah. stuff, but I think very few people have a full appreciation of, of what goes into it. And it's not, it's not that they... They don't have... A, a, appreciation is the wrong word. Mm. Maybe just understanding. Yeah, I think sometimes you can sort of miss what elements are coming from what individuals. Yeah. So if you really enjoyed some sort of solo from the oboe, that could just be the oboist interpretation, but how you don't know how much that that oboe has been influenced by the director. Do you know what I mean? For sure. So it's very similar in, like, the theater world. So you'll you'll go and watch a play, and you'll see, like, oh, this actor did this incredibly. You don't really know how much that has been spurred on by the director. Exactly, and that's an excellent point. It it reminds me also of... I often think of the conductor as a professional sports coach, in a way. That's an analogy I often use. Um... And, for example, right now we've got Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are two of the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, maybe the greatest head coach of all time. And people always ask, who's really responsible for that? Is it Mm. Belichick? Is it Brady? We may, Brady might go to another team now and we may get to see who is really responsible. Yeah. But, answer is probably a little bit of both, but... The goal of this is let's let's dive into kind of what the conductor actually does, sure. and hopefully then we can figure out and isolate some of the things that the conductor specifically does. Mm. And so the comment, I mean, the baseline level that I get most is is people see the conductor waves their arms, and it's kind of this dance performance mm. type thing. And so people may comment of on you know. I like that conductor because they looked graceful, or, oh, I like that conductor because their movements really match the music for me, or it's kind of a a sort of, like, interpretive dance. Mm. Then, uh, a level above that, people might say, if they're able to kind of, if they know the piece a little bit and they can Mm. hear some of the 
ensemble stuff, and like you were talking about, if everything's lined up, if everything's working together, sure. they might say, oh, that was a really tight together performance, mm-hmm. like good job, conductor, it's your job to hold everything together. Yeah. So that's, that's a reaction, and okay. we'll talk a little bit about that. A level above that, some people will say, oh, great job, I really liked your interpretation of that piece. That, for people to assess something like that, it requires them to know the piece pretty well and mm-hmm. to have heard different conductors and what different conductors take on this pieces and to have some sort of sense of what a good or bad interpretation is. If you're ever at odds and you need to compliment a conductor, just say you like their interpretation because who's going to challenge you and say like, <laughs> oh no, that was actually a bad interpretation. But this is something that people sometimes comment on and, and is, is an element of the conducting profession. But I want to uh, break this down into four cat, four different areas or categories of stuff that the conductor does, and that'll make it a little bit clearer, hopefully, mm. what actually is going on there. Cool. So let's let's break it down. So the first, I think, category or or uh, subset of what the conductor does is is the conductor's own technique. And the conductor's responsibility for technical execution of the orchestra. Mm. So a big element of when you watch a conductor and they wave their arms, and every conductor has their own kind of technique, but there's ways that you show information to the orchestra. So there are beat patterns, you show the tempo, you show all this kind of stuff. And... That's a skill. Some conductors are clearer than others. Some conductors have better ability to make changes and to show things with their stick, with their body, with their face. And the orchestra players are looking to the conductor for that information. And Mm -hmm. so a clearer conductor can often get things better together. So one thing that good conductors can do is they have the ability to be clear and to use the the techniques of conducting that are universal, like mm-hmm. beat patterns, showing tempo changes, all this kind of stuff, effectively, and they're able to do that at a really high level. Mm-hmm. And so, and the same goes for the conductor in rehearsal. If they, you need to, as you were saying about a theater director, you need to really know everything that's going on because ultimately the conductor in addition to the players but the conductor is the kind of final arbiter they have to make sure that everyone's playing all the right notes everything's in tune everything is in tempo all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and so with a combination of what they rehearse and what they show with their with their stick with their hands they can either get a really clean tight taught performance Mm -hmm. or if they're not as clear if they're misleading with their information if they don't rehearse something enough if they leave something untouched and it falls apart in the concert ultimately that kind of falls on the conductor and that's an element of technique or technical execution Mm -hmm. so there is just that very rudimentary level of if you take an introductory conducting class how do you beat a four pattern Mm -hmm. how do you beat short, long, and the ability to do that as clearly as possible and to rehearse that as clearly as possible is kind of the 
the base level. Mm. And so that is, that's, I think, something that is hard to hear necessarily sometimes, but if you were to hear the difference between a, if you were to go to a high school orchestra and watch two different conductors, Mm. high school orchestras often have a lot of ensemble problems, you could really isolate where the conductor is doing better or worse, Mm. you know, and you could hear, okay, this conductor is clear and giving them a lot of information and he's really getting things together where this conductor, he or she is not doing it as well. And yeah. So, so it brings me to a question. I think I know the answer to it, but if you're working with an orchestra that is highbrow, they have such a background in their craft that they're, Experts. Yeah. Why bring in a conductor to lead like to lead these experts? My answer is like, well, there's so many. There's seventy to hundred musicians on stage. Yeah. You need someone directing all of these very talented individuals together. For sure. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more in some of the other subsets, but it applies here as well. If you listen to a professional orchestra can play a lot of stuff hmm. technically really well by themselves. And so to evaluate conductors on this first level in the professional setting is pretty hard. Mm. Most conductors, if they're there, can change tempo, can beat correctly, and most orchestras can do that mostly on their own. So these, te- there's, you can still hear big technical differences, but that takes a trained ear and that takes, those are much more on the margins than what you would see in like a high school orchestra setting. Yeah. But it still applies. 70 people changing tempo at the same time is really hard. You need a clear conductor. And you'll see even in the best professional concerts, some conductors can do that, some can't. And sometimes the ensemble will not be great. And one of the things that you're trying to achieve is the most perfect live performance. And so some conductors are better at doing that and some are less good. Mm -hmm. So I think technique is the first subset We then have something that we've talked about on this podcast before, the idea of musical performance decisions. So a lot of this is the kind of quote-unquote interpretation that a conductor has. Mm. And so when you're a conductor, like you were saying, a theater director or something, you have a score, it's an artistic document, And the composer specifies a certain amount of information, but there's a lot of stuff that's left up to the performer. It's it's different for different composers, how much they leave up to the performer, but it's the conductor's job to know that. And you're really trying to realize the composer's vision, but also to give a good artistic interpretive performance. Mm -hmm. And so there are tons and tons of decisions that the conductor has to make. Exactly what is this tempo? Exactly how much time should I take here? What voice is most important to me here? All that kind of stuff. And that is a big element of the conductor's responsibility. And a lot of that takes place in the study process. That's not as much a a physical phenomenon of... You, you can show those things with your hands, but it's not a technical execution phenomenon. It's a, I sat down with the score months, years, days before the rehearsal, and I decided what I want to do with this piece. Yeah. Now let me go realize it. 
And there, at the professional setting, you can evaluate this kind of the best because professional orchestras are able to do these things. And so the conductor really has a, you know, empty palette to, to paint their own ideas onto. And so a conductor's interpretation is their choices of all these things of tempo. Of, and so we did an entire episode on this earlier in our live performance series. So if people are interested, they can go back and listen to that. But I have one example that I want to show you, a very extreme example of a performance decision that a conductor can make that has a huge impact on how the end product sounds. And, you know, when a conductor makes a decision like this, it also has implications on the entire piece. How does the rest of the piece differ now that I've made this decision? What And you're kind of trying to you're trying to recreate this work but have it be a self-contained, successful, artistic statement. And so all these decisions interact with each other and they're, they can be very important. And then in the end, you get this kind of performance and you have this feeling of, oh, I got a really good sense of that conductor's interpretation, narrative, and there's so many things that went into that. So let's listen. We'll listen to two different clips and hear how, how different, two different conductors chose a very different approach. So that, that was the first one, mm. end of Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony. That was pretty fast. Sure. So now let's try it again and, and listen to, I want you to listen to the tempo, how fast this is going, and listen to, it's a very big difference. So big difference, right? Drastically different. I mean, it's it's literally twice as slow. Sure. And so you can hear how much that changes the character of mm. that whole ending. Mm. But also, this. so this is an interesting one. One of the most famous performance decisions that a conductor has to make. Because there are different editions of this piece. Mm. And one of them marks quarter note, which is a value of note at 100 beats per minute. That's a tempo marking. And another marks an eighth note at 100 beats per minute. Or not, it's not 100, but they mark the, the same tempo marking. One is for a quarter note, one is for an eighth note. Mm-hmm. And so the additions literally say a difference of 
two times in tempo, which is which is massive. Um, and it totally changes the character of the whole work. Sure. There's a there's if you want to research Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony, there's all these political connotations and all these things that that go along with this, but. Ultimately, and there are there are arguments why people should perform it one way or the other way. It's the conductor's job to be up on history, be up on uh, what do we think the that Shostakovich intended it, yeah. it intended in this in this moment. But ultimately, then it's their choice to decide the tempo. Yeah. And so that impacts tons of stuff throughout this piece, but especially this ending, just the character of the ending. What are you achieving and so that is another decision that is entirely the conductor's, and you can you can evaluate the conductor on is kind of what what were their choices of of tempo? Did I like the narrative arc that they structured for this piece? And to do that, like you were saying earlier, it requires a little bit probably of knowledge of the piece sure. because you have to be able to evaluate that conductor against kind of the baseline. It's yeah. like the stat in sports, I think, of wins above replacement, which mm-hmm. is like, how are you compared to the average player? Yeah. And that's actually kind of good conducting as well, is yeah. what have you brought to the table? As a conductor, do you feel like you have to commit to a choice for this piece and stick to it for the rest of your career, or would you play up between one and the other? You don't have to. This is a. It's a great question. Conductors change their mind all the time about interpretations, mm-hmm. and it's not the type of thing where when you're 25, you come up with your interpretation of Beethoven Seven, yeah. and then it's set. Yep. Yeah. But, um, so the answer is no. Sure. I mean, I'd like to think that I've done a huge amount of research mm. on this ending, and I've come up with what I think is best. Mm. And so to change my mind, it would take a huge amount of okay. research. Yeah. But there's a lot of time. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is ultimately and one element of good conducting sure. is you didn't just willy-nilly decide to do this. Yeah. This, there's a reason behind everything you do. Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit of that in, in a further category. Let's first take a quick break. We want to take a brief moment to thank our sponsor, Encoda, that's spelled N-K-O-D-A. Yeah, Encoda is this great web service app that you can get on your tablet, your computer, and it allows you to, it's a subscription service where you can get a bunch of pretty much any online score, critical editions of tons of important pieces at the click of a button. They're all scanned. They're all there for you to see. It's a great app that I use all the time to to check you know, different editions, sometimes even perform off of if you're performing off of a tablet. And so for musicians and just people who can read music in general and want to follow along with the recording, I think it's an excellent resource. All right, back to the show. So the next category I've broken it down to is the category of what we might call artistry or this one I like to think of a of a figure skater. They have the technical score and the artistic score Mm. and the artistic score is kind of their gravitas how they look the if they're elegant if they're graceful and it should be noted it's something that some conductors you know uh, you know kind of brush away or, or think is not but 
there's a visual element to the performance of music mm-hmm. and the way that the conductor looks when people say, oh, this person's really graceful, or that's, that's something. And that affects the way that they view the performance. And so every conductor has an individual body language and that really is a part of their conducting and it's it's what makes some good and some not good. There's no correct way to do it. It's an artistic endeavor. Mm. And so there are many, many different styles of conducting that you wouldn't think would work, but they do. But there is this element of kind of artistry or the idea that someone's body language and kind of and also just their their musical mind in the moment can really impact a performance. And so one thing that's interesting is to watch different conductors with very different body languages conduct a good orchestra back to back. That's you, you rarely get to see that. Mm. But conductors with their body language really have an impact on the sound that an orchestra produces. And so if you have a very hard, vicious, direct body language, that's the sound that the orchestra will produce. If you have a very welcoming, soft, flamboyant type of body language, you'll get that type of sound. Um, and those are real phenomena, and they, they affect a performance a lot. And so it's kind of more of the X factor, whatever you want to call it, but, but if you boil it down, it's... A big element of conducting and there are certain conductors whose body language works very well who are naturally artistic and there's also this element of just being a good performer in the moment uh, being an artistic performer who can make spontaneous interesting musical decisions and in that way it's different from like a theater director a conductor is, is performing in the moment. And so that's more like an actor where you've been given all these instructions, but then it's it's on you to, for little turns of phrase and stuff that makes the character come alive in the moment. Mm, yeah, I think like from the time that I first started working with the ISO with my theater background to today, I've sort of played around with the ideas of the conductor being the director and then also being like the lead in the play almost like in a one man one woman show and that they're developing all these ideas behind them um so you are making a great point that that conductor is also a performer him or herself yeah and i think that's that is kind of you you've captured the essence of it you're the director and in one way you're like a, a one-man, one-woman show. Sure. In, a, in another very real way, the conductor is one of 80 performers on yeah. stage. And that brings me to the, the final category. The one that I think very few people even think about or notice, most people miss, and this is actually the thing that I think is by far the most important, especially in professional conducting, and... We asked at the beginning when I get compliments or something, people who are able to isolate this and give compliments on this or, or assess conductors on this or criticize on this, those are the people that I feel like really know what they're looking for in, mm-hmm. in a conductor. And that is, so there's all, these, there's all this glorified stuff. You, you sit down, you interpret the score, you develop your technique, you blah, blah, blah. 
in the end, this is a human endeavor. You're performing with 70, 80 humans on stage. No conductor can go in and have some great artistic interpretation and just have it happen. Mm. This is not composing. When you compose, it's just you. Everyone has the same paper. Everyone has the same scales. It's your creativity. It's your artistic statement. When you're a conductor, you have this huge thing that has to realize your idea, which is an orchestra of 60, 80, whatever, musicians. And so actually, this is what you learn when you get into conducting and you start doing it, is actually by far the most important thing and the thing that affects everything the most is your ability to achieve what you want to achieve given that and to affect people. And so it's one thing to have good technique in the mirror. It's another thing to have a technique that works with an orchestra. Yeah. Those are two very different things. And so psychological. Like yeah. You are like almost a master manipulator, but like you got to get them to want to, to make that noise yeah. for you. And you've, you've pointed to it. I think that's, that is the biggest thing. It's really psychology. Mm -hmm. And so that's, there's a huge element of group psychology that goes into the profession of conducting. And I think that's, when you think about a coach or a, especially a coach, I think of, a big part of a professional coach's job is to build an environment where talented people can succeed. And that way it's kind of like being a CEO or something. Mm. You have all of these talented people on stage and what's the best way to achieve your and their goals? Sometimes it's, sometimes it's not just telling someone, here's my interpretation, do it. Yeah. Two conductors can have exactly the same interpretation, deliver their message very different ways, convince people of their ideas very different ways, and you'll get a very different performance. And so it's one thing to ask for people to play something softly. It's another thing for you to convince people that they need to play something softly. And so that is really, I think, the biggest element of conducting is this ability to convince people of your vision, your ability to actually do the stuff that you need to do, given that this is an imperfect human endeavor with a bunch of people. And so that, that manifests in a lot of things. The way that you structure your rehearsals, if you pace rehearsals in a certain way. All of that has impact on group psychology. When do you rehearse tricky things? Do you do that at the beginning? Do you do that at the end? How much information do you decide to give in the concert? Do you try to change a bunch of stuff or do you let people play? How much freedom do you allow people so that like, if they aren't taking exactly your tempo, is that good or is that bad? You have to have standards. You have to have your interpretation, but at the same time, how much flexibility do you have to let their artistry emerge? Mm. How does your technique serve that? You know, if you're too, if you are too, we've seen this many times, uh, sometimes here at the ISO, sometimes other places, if you're too strict and you don't, and you just beat in a tempo that you think the orchestra can go at mm. and they don't come with you, whose fault actually is that? Some, it's, sometimes it's the orchestra, but sometimes it's the conductor. 
And it's your job not only to just beat correctly in tempo, but to actually bring people with you. And and so that, I think, is the biggest, biggest element of conducting that the most people miss hmm. is how has this conductor created the environment to for people to succeed and do that? And you can see some of that in, in performance, but you also see a lot of that in rehearsal. And so it takes a refined eye and a refined ear to catch those things, but that is actually the biggest thing. And so if you think about if you're a sports fan like me or if you if you follow business or something, if you look at great if you just look at great leaders, mm-hmm. the same characteristics that you use to evaluate leaders, I think can apply a lot of the time to conductors. What's their charisma? What's their gravitas? Do they have a vision that they convince people of? Are they a risk taker? Do they have the ability to move lots of different people's ideologies, ideas into one direction. And I think that's that's the biggest one that people miss. So for a lot of our listeners, or like a layman like myself, basically, what are those individuals supposed to be looking for, listening for, in terms of um, evaluating a conductor? Yeah, I think, as we said, a lot of this takes a little bit more of a refined ear and eye. Um, I'd encourage people if they want to go back and listen to our live performance series because a lot of what the conductor is doing is performing and so it's listening on that on that second level of listening to performance rather than just listening to the actual music. And so one thing I'd suggest is if you're hearing a piece for the first time, Use our, for, use our first four fundamental techniques and listen to the music and don't worry too much about the conductor. But if you want to take a glance at the conductor or you go for a second time or if you just are in the mood to try to figure this out, I think one of the biggest things is to, like a figure skater like or something, observe their body language and try to take that kind of artistry approach and look at do they have a way about them mm. that, that feels artistic? Does what they're doing seem to influence and match the music? And do I feel like it's contributing to the music? If they're just standing up there and beating their arms, it's not that exciting. Sure. And some conductors do that. And so if, if it looks boring to you, you're perfectly entitled to see that and say, you know, that's not... Yeah. That's not great conducting. I, you know, some some people think that the conductor should just stand still and beat and you've seen me conduct before that's very different from what I do. It's very different from what I think a lot of people actually do. Yeah. And it's perfectly reasonable to see a conductor and they kind of look dead, bored up there. If that doesn't do it for you, that's that's they don't have that kind of artistry. Yeah. I think I'm getting better at it, and I think our listeners, if they take attentive care to it as well, they will also um, really start to enjoy watching conductors. I think for me what's thrilling is watching a conductor sort of cue some sort of line, and then you hear that line just like go off very, very well. Yeah. That's very rewarding to see see happen. And then also it can be um, quite fun to watch and um, learn someone's uh, – 
different types of, of conducting techniques and then see someone else conduct. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the same piece, but just comparing those techniques. I think light bulbs have gone on for me when I've seen a conductor sort of um, use his hands in a different way than the conductor that we previously had. Yeah. So in comparison, like one conductor really used the stick yeah. and was very angular. And then maybe the week after we had a conductor in that almost was like a Pope parting like crowds. Do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. using like huge hand motions as yeah. opposed to without using the baton. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think w- w- with the advent of the internet and YouTube and all this stuff, we have an amazing ability actually to just watch a lot of conductors yes. on video. Cause when you go to a concert, you only get to see one. Yep. But, and I think that's the key is that one was not necessarily better than the other. in that example that you gave, no, there's that's that element of artistry and so that's one component and you can like that or you can not like that but then there's these elements of listening to the technical precision of the performance the interpretation of the performance and all of these things come with experience but part of the best way to evaluate conductors mm-hmm. is to try to listen to the piece beforehand try to get try to listen to multiple versions of the piece beforehand so you have a sense of what the decisions the conductor could make might actually be. Mm. And then you take that, if you want to do the sports analogy one more time, you try to look at that wins above replacement idea. Mm. What's the kind of, if you've l- listened to a piece enough, you know the kind of standard. Sure. So what is the conductor doing better or worse than the standard, and do I like it? Mm. And that is, I think, an interesting thing to look for, and that's one way that even beginner to intermediate listeners can start trying to do. But first thing I'd suggest is to really gain an appreciation of the different variety of conducting, but also what is good, what is not good conducting, whatever. Go and watch some videos. And, you know, for example, you can search the Vienna Philharmonic on Hmm. YouTube and see the same orchestra conducted by 20 different people right away. And you'll see a huge variety of style, and you'll hear a different variety in quality of sound, all this kind of stuff. So that's where I'd start, but it's an endless endeavor. You can ask um, our boss, Katie, whose job it is to evaluate conductors. You can ask uh, other conductors, myself, other artistic administrators. Mm. It's an ever-evolving process, and it's challenging to know it's like, again, a director or a coach. You try to isolate what did they actually do. But from being on this side, you know, you can see there are some very tangible things that the conductor does that's, that are important and that contribute to the end product. And so I think they're those in those four categories that we talked about. So I encourage it's yet another very exciting thing for people to kind of learn about, mm-hmm. listen, explore more in the world of classical music. There's endless resources you can use on exploring different conductors, seeing how they talk about music, all this kind of stuff. And so I hope that our listeners go and uh, watch a few different conductors. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope our listeners remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Uh, We're getting an excellent... Our listeners are doing a much... uh, an excellent job of, of doing this for us, and it really boosts us up the charts and so we're, we're we really appreciate that and continue please continue to do that and sharing it with all your friends thank you so much for listening yep we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon
For more information about this podcast, you can find us at attentiontodetailpod.com, where you'll find a list of techniques presented in these episodes and a two-week program for starting your own listening practice. You can also find us on all of your favorite social media channels. We encourage you to follow us, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating. We hope to see you soon at a concert.